The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by returning guest. I have Timothy Schaffner from Cincinnati. Tim, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. This is the second time you were on the show. Uh, first time you were on, you were with, of course, your, your head coach, Jeremy Pender. Right. Um, God, that, that was probably well over a year ago now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely over a year. That wasn't like pre-corona, I don't think. I don't even know, actually. I can I can check to see. That's the, the beauty of the Spotify app. I can do a, a search for the, the episode. I'm curious. Sometimes, I think it was pre-corona. Sometimes I like I to give um, our listeners the opportunity to hear, you know, Previous episode. Um, so let's see. I don't even know. Let's see. But I, I don't think we really did as much of a deep dive specifically into you uh, the last time you were on. Oh, compared to Jeremy Pender, I'm nobody. Are you being sarcastic? Not at all. Like, that dude's pretty freaking cool. In the world of MMA, he's, he's fairly legit, I would say. Um, I, I think in the world, he's a pretty cool dude. In the world, so beyond yeah. the world of MMA, okay. Yeah, I think like one time he went um, across the world to like save girls from sex slavery and stuff. So I think that's um, pretty interesting. Wow, okay. He, he doesn't even seem like someone who'd be big on tooting his own horn about something like that. No, he's not. Right? No. He's... Uh, 
a, I should say, I almost want to say a rare case, but I don't know how rare it necessarily is. It's not the most common, but he's a, a head coach of a gym, legitimate fighter, very legitimate coach, um, who also is comfortable and not a pussy when it comes to articulating some of his worldviews, political views on occasion. I think that's a pretty solid statement. Yeah, yeah. I don't, and I'm not to say that he's got any crazy radical ideas that are, you know, anything but common sense. Um, but he's very firm in his the convictions he has. He's pretty firm in them. Yeah, yeah. Fair statement. Um, so, Tim, I introduced you as being from Cincinnati. You live in Cincinnati now. I assume that means you've always lived in Cincinnati. Yeah, I've. Um I was born in Price Hill, which is a uh, actually the first subdivision that was built in Cincinnati after it was settled. So it's like uh, got some really good roots and nice architecture. Great city. Okay. Uh, how old are you? I'm 39. 39. Okay, you're. I'll be 39 in August, so next month. Yeah, same age. I was Just born. About. In, I was born in Athens, Ohio. Really? So not too far. No. no, same state. Yeah. Uh, Oblenis Hospital in Athens, Ohio. I've never been back there. I think I moved away by the time I was one. So my parents both went to Ohio University. That's how I came about. But still, same state, similar age. Um, could you do a little bit of a recap? Growing up, what type of a kid were you? What type of a student were you? Were you an athlete when you were young? Uh, what brought you to the current place you're at? Not only from the world of... Now being, pursuing an amateur MMA career, of course you're sitting at one and zero. we'll get to that, but also, I know you're a successful businessman, so who is Timothy Schaffner? Uh, what brought you to this point? Yeah, so I, successful, I don't know, I mean, I think successful is like hundreds of millions, billions of dollars, <laughs> to me that's successful. I, yeah, um, I'm okay with that Yeah, so, qualifier, that's, that's alright with me. Yeah, um, I'm constantly trying to do better if that helps um so as a kid I was always a really really avid reader I've read thousands and I mean I couldn't even begin like I've just always been a huge reader I still am well read and stay up on pretty current events I like to think that I can carry a conversation with anyone from any walk of life um so I was born in Price Hill Ohio which is um a subdivision in Cincinnati. We lived there until I was about six, and then we moved to uh, Felicity, which is eastern of Cincinnati. And so it's a rural town, small school, and I probably uh, was there until I was about 12 and then moved back to Price Hill, actually like lower Price Hill, so... Maybe a hundred years ago, Price Hill was an affluent suburb, but it's probably one of the worst neighborhoods in Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah, so now it is. It's starting to come back. They've revitalized a few different areas of it, but uh, it's um, still rough around the edges, large police presence, but still it's like the west side of Cincinnati. It's got a lot of deep roots, a lot of good heritage. A lot of good people. Did you play any sports growing up? 
I didn't play sports, but I was always active. So there was no money for like team sports, stuff like that. But like growing up on a farm, I mean, we had a tobacco barn right next to us. We had a garden. So like, I mean, I've always been active like my entire life, but I've never like played team sports or anything. What type of activity? uh, You say team sports. What type of stuff would you do? So not not team sports, but um, I mean, I would probably say uh, wrestling and fighting just, you know, amongst friends and stuff like that. So we would uh, imitate stuff. I mean, I've been working since forever. I think I've always worked um, and done strenuous physical activity. So growing up like on a farm and in the ghetto, no money, like. You know, whether we're playing basketball at, for hours because we have no money until the street lights come on or whatever, but just no organization to it. So I think that really um, has an effect. So, I, I mean, I would like to say I'm an athlete, but, I mean, I don't think I am like because I haven't been an athlete. There was nobody there to push us. But, I mean, I think work is work. A uh, little off topic, but I did find it when we recorded episode 251 was in October of 2020. So it was not before Corona. It was right toward the beginning, I guess. But interesting. That's almost two years ago. Time's going by really fast. Yeah, time goes by really fast. The older you get, I think. Certainly. Okay, so you, you've always read. Um, an episode like this is interesting because you've got different parts to you. You're coming off your amateur MMA debut, which you had a spectacular finish. And a win that's almost the culmination of, what, at least a few years of, of hard training? Yeah, like four years. Four years of hard about. training. Um, but before we get to that, you've always read. You, you, you read ever since a young uh, age, I guess, reading. Uh, how, who influenced you to the read? So I think um, my mom read to me really young. I know that I've been reading since the age of three. Okay. So I, I started reading. reading really early. Um, I always did good in school. I was always in advanced classes, um, but I test really well also. So, like, I read a lot, and I also test very well. I mean, some people can't test too well. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was my phone. That's all good. If you need to take that, you can. We could take a quick break. No, we're good. Okay. So you were always reading from a very young age. Yep. You were assigned something in school. You were quick to read the book. Not a problem. Um, was, there, was there particular uh, topics or subjects you, you piqued your interest outside of school uh, from an early age? You seem like a, 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 a thoughtful man. Um, where did that evolution start intellectually? Yeah, so... It was really more or less like just reading whatever I could get my hands on. Okay. Um, So I started reading early, but I don't think that it really culminated until I probably moved to Felicity. So in the beginning part of our life, um, one of my parents, my dad worked, my mom didn't. Um, He worked a lot. So, and I was young. At the age of six, we moved out to Felicity, and that's when, like, I started getting in school. So we had a small library, and I would consume everything. I mean, I I always – we had really boring summers, like, nothing to do, but, like, we live on a dead-end road on a farm, and 
you know, I'm reading everything I can. I always looked forward to the first week of school because I would have my textbooks. So, like, I would read every textbook I had in the first couple weeks. So it, it kind of helped with my grades because then, you know, as we're going through stuff every day in class, this is the second and third time it's coming to me. So I kind of already know it. Okay. Um, much like Jeremy Pender, I would say you appear, at least from my perspective, to be a thoughtful person with convictions. Um. Do you have any thoughts on, I don't even know about political, but the current climate of what's going on maybe in our country? Yeah, oh, yeah, plenty. I mean, the um, the economy, politics, all of that stuff. Like, you I, have thoughts I, on most yeah, things? Yeah, 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 on all of it. Like I, Nothing's off the table with you, really? Nothing at all. I can talk about anything. Like I, I think as far as politics go, it's just like, let's go Brandon, you know? <laughs> Fuck um, Joe Biden. Right. Yeah, that dude is like a You don't think Joe Biden's doing a good job? I don't think he's working. Really? Yeah, I don't think he's doing Wow. I I really think that they should start looking at um, lowering the age to consider people for president. Interesting, okay. Yeah, it's... um, I I, I understand why it's like 35, 36 or whatever, but... The minimum. Yeah, if I go to the doctor, I want the sharpest mind... You know, like maybe that's a guy in his 40s, but I feel like coming fresh out of college, 26, 27, like you're at your sharpest, you know, like out of medical school. Oh, so even younger than 35. Yeah. I what should be the max? The max age? I'd like to think that Trump is still um, pretty coherent. But I he's was like 76, I think. And But he's still there. <laughs> I, I think that's a... You know, you just can't quit. And I think, I don't think there should be um, a max age necessarily. I think that there should be some kind of a test. Like, you have to be able to take a test to become an insurance broker. You have to take a test to become a real estate broker. You know, all this stuff. Like, you should have a complicated test to become president. Okay. You know what's interesting? The topic of, I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine recently. And I was, for the sake of devil's advocate at least, trying to have the conversation that Barack Obama was younger, as articulate as can be, one of the best speech givers ever. You know, he was able to drive a point home, sounds good, looks good, says all the right things. Joe Biden, the opposite. Worst speech giver ever. Commonly misreads the teleprompter. Um, says some of the most awkward shit I've ever heard in my life. This is fucking getting extreme. Yeah. But you could make a case that does it really, and, and this is the, the devil's advocate argument I was trying to make, is does it really matter that much the pol- how polished you are? I understand for the presentation to the rest of the world, this is our leader. That There's something to that. But I mean... Couldn't you make a case that the, the actual content of policy is what's important and that maybe for the sake of uh, Biden and Obama, maybe there's more similarities than differences when it comes to actual you know, policy? They, they both platformed. They both ran on certain things. I mean, fuck, you can go back and look at it. Barack Obama, a big tenant of his campaign when he originally took office was, we're going to uh, whistleblowers, if you're a whistleblower, we're going to let you out of jail. We're going to do all this stuff. I mean, we're, we're all about freedom of speech, freedom of the press. That's my thing. We're going to end the wars. I'm anti-war. So those were a couple of the big tenets of Barack Obama's campaign to get into office. 
And then when he got into office, he was arguably worse on those two topics than any president in the history of the country. So I, he sounded good. He looked great. Did the exact opposite. But I guess what I'm saying is, does it matter how polished you are? I, I think it does matter how polished you are, be, mainly to me because you are the leader of our military. And every other aspect of that, not so much. But okay. because you're the leader of the military, you're going to make decisions at the drop of a dime at 3 o'clock in the morning, waking up out of bed. Okay. If, if you're a person that you can't wake up out of bed and be absolutely sharp and make a split-second decision and be able to stand behind that, then, yeah. And Joe Biden can't do that when he's already awake. So, I mean... I. I, I think that you need to be polished. I think you need to be polished not only for presentation. I think it matters for the party because, I mean, look at the effect that Trump has on the people that he backs. They get elected. In congressional races. And yes. Like that. Okay. So, it's a vote of confidence, not only if he's dealing with North Korea, uh, uh, foreign policy, but also um, if he's endorsing a congressional candidate in Ohio. Yeah, and if you're going to have values and opinions and you're going to represent a party whatever party that is that party needs to do good because you have people that you are leading you have people that are following you and if you can't instill those policies all the way across the board i think it just makes the country more likely to be torn okay would you rather uh desantis runs for president 2024 or trump i'd be happy with either of them okay. I, I think trump will probably have a better economy. He's already been in the job, so he'll know what to expect. I think any new president has like a honeymoon period with the job, and they're not able to like be effective right away. Um, you were talking about Barack Obama. That guy studied constitutional law, how he was never able to take his Obamacare and you know make it to where it can't be reversed, I think is... Um, a solid statement to why we have multiple different parties. Like if you're going to do something that's going to totally screw everyone, the other party should be able to stop that. Mm. Um, stuff like removing the filibuster, packing the courts and stuff like that. Like I think there needs to be a way for it to be stopped. You shouldn't be so powerful that you can just control everything across the board, but you should have some kind of a sway to it. Okay. Some interesting topics there you touched on. Um, the Roe v. Wade thing. Not the sexiest topic, obviously. Almost no pun intended. But abortion, uh, when it comes to politics, that's like got to be the very least favorite topic for me to discuss on the podcast. However, it was a big deal. You talked about packing the courts. Um, you know, a certain Supreme Court justice dies. The president, uh, Trump, you know, replaces it with his choice. In effect, they get a, a majority in the Supreme Court that are conservative, and then they're able to overtone, overturn something like Roe v. Wade. And I guess regardless of what your thoughts are on abortion, it sends a message and it comes across as being, it's at least interpreted as being so divisive across the country. What are your thoughts on uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade? I, I think that women should absolutely have control of their bodies. But that's a double-sided sword, you know. It cuts both ways. So if it's like rape, incest, maybe the mother's going to die up to a certain point. 
then maybe okay. Like, yeah. But six months, five months, four months, I think that that's already a life. I don't think that it should really be an issue. Like, they should have to carry it to term. If it's incest or there's something super flawed with the health of the child to where it's a choice like, okay, you're going to die or the child's going to die, um, I think that all comes down to mate selection. You know what you were doing when you did it and that there, a child may be conceived. Um, I don't personally have super strong convictions on that because I'm not a woman. I think that um, men should get a say in it, though, because there are a lot of fathers in this country that they don't get a say sure. okay. later on in life. So if the woman can choose to abort, maybe the man should get a choice in that matter, too. Do you have any kids? No. Okay. Uh, I have two kids, two biological kids. I have a stepdaughter, so I have three kids. I have never gotten a woman pregnant. Let me take that back first real quick. So I don't have any children, but my first wife had three children when I met her. So I have raised three children Mm. to the, to double digits. Wow. You know, and like the, you know, I've uh, played a role in their life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're adults now. So I was even young when I got with her. Mm -hmm. I've been in long-term relationships my whole life. Interesting. Um, my point was I've never gotten a, me personally, and I'm not saying I'm some moral on some moral high ground or anything remotely close to that, but I've never gotten a woman pregnant and then either gotten her to get an abortion or can, you know, supported the idea of her, her getting an abortion or she has the kid. And then I just skip town or I'm some fucking deadbeat dad or something like that. Many men have done both of those things. Um, but I haven't. And I wouldn't see, I've now had a visectomy, so I'm not going to have any more kids biologically. Um, but I, I think the idea that it's 100% a woman's choice, and you touched on this, is kind of silly in that it takes two to make a baby. Yeah. The man the- sh- should have it, unless he's a fucking deadbeat. Maybe if he's a proven deadbeat dad, I mean, fuck those guys, to be honest. Absolutely. I know that sounds pretty extreme. Some people listening, whether they want to admit it to themselves or not, do fit the bill for that description? Yeah, it's pretty and, and, easy. Yeah, it's common. Now, there are situations to where, like, the relationship doesn't work and the women will use the children as bait, leverage. and That's you know, almost a testament to the point, though, yeah. is that a man should have a say in it. Absolutely. Especially if they're trying. If they, if they want to, they're like, okay, I got her pregnant. Maybe I didn't want to be with her the rest of my life, but I'm trying. I'm not married to the mother of my two kids. Um, but if you're trying, you want to be a father, you, you should have a say in that. So the notion that a woman's choice, woman's body, I think gets overplayed a little bit, but at the same time, I agree with you. I think first, maybe first term, um, you know, first trimester abortions, you know, maybe we could have some type of wiggle room where we set something up where you could do something early in the pregnancy. If there needs to be that type of an abortion, that's not really my business, but I, I agree. Second, third trimester type stuff to me once it's viable inhumane yeah yeah once it's viable um and and really i think as the like okay so it just now got thrown out where are our medical standards going to be at in 10 years in 10 years from now will we be able to 
conceive a child and the day after sex, like we got a plan B pill, the day after we may be able to take a test and determine, oh, you're pregnant. So there may not be guesswork in 20 years, 10 years, 50 years from now. So I think that the laws that we make now should look forward on that. So maybe we have the ability to say, okay, we had sex and five minutes later we can take a test and we know if you're pregnant. Mm. And to a certain degree, that's the responsibility of the man and the woman. But realistically, it falls more so on the woman to track her period or whatever, whether it's a test that is advanced 10 years from now, like you're saying, that you can tell a day or so after. Yeah, well, the, uh, that the would make woman, it easier. The woman also has all the choices of birth control too, so she can be on the pill. She could use a diaphragm. I mean, she has a, a many choices. A lot more now than when Roe v. Wade was passed. Mm-hmm. You know, condoms have been around forever, but they're not. Nothing's a hundred percent. So they can pretty much control everything as far as contraception right now. Okay. Like I said. Least enjoyable topic to discuss, but relevant in today's political yeah. climate to at least touch on. Um, okay. So it's a, 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 an interesting time right now. Joe Biden's headed to shit. Doesn't look good. Inflation is... Through the roof. Through the roof. Wages are not, you know, at least people who are salaried. My wife, for example. Um, they get raises. and Maybe now they're getting a little bit more of a raise than normal. But it's still not keeping up with the insane inflation that's going on right now. So the purchasing power, the middle class and even the, the lower class in our country is really getting shit on the most Yeah, through all this inflation and money printing. Yeah. And, um, but I think that right now, like for the middle class and even the upper class, yeah, there's inflation. Everything costs more. But because there are not so many people able to buy, that gives you a little bit of flexibility as far as what you want. So if you have the ability to buy stuff now, it's probably the time to do it because it's not a huge market of buyers. You mean even in real estate? Real estate. That's an interesting conversation. Um, I was talking to my wife about this a couple days ago, and you could go stop some guy on the street right now and say, excuse me, sir, is now a good time to buy real estate? The majority of people right now are going to go, hell no. Now, do they have any real estate advice at all no. or, or experience? No. But that's what the majority of people in our country are saying. Yeah. Is now is not the time to buy. However, I mean, money printing, I think I saw that like over the past two years, 80% of the money in circulation, U.S. dollars, 80% of the money in circulation was printed. Well, it's not here, though. They're flying that in skid loads probably to Ukraine or wherever. Sure. I, I think the funniest thing is, like, the the Hunter Biden stuff, he's got all this controversy with Ukraine, and now we're helping Ukraine with this Just war Just a coincidence, Russia. right? Yeah, it's weird. It's, uh, I, I don't think it's a horrible move by, like, Vladimir Putin, too. Like, he, uh, I, I heard somewhere he made a statement, like, to have uh, the United Nations on his doorstep is a threat to his national security. And I think him coming over and instead of them coming to him, now he's going to put them on his doorstep. I think that's a pretty aggressive move. And uh, I, I don't know where the money's going, but it's not here in the States. It's going somewhere. And I, I think that that's pretty foolish. Like we've got, 
immigration problems. We've got homeless mental health problems, you know, in cities like Texas, like Austin, California, like so many homeless people. Even where I'm from in Cincinnati, the homeless population, like, is pretty heavy. And I think that with mental health, um, the money should be fixing the stuff. Like, I'm not saying just give it away. No, let's not make it like a socialist country. But you got to help the people where you're at first or you have nothing to protect. If you're going to be spending $80 billion, just write a check to Ukraine one month on a whim. In neglecting things here domestically, that seems a little fucking insane. Yeah. I'm probably not a fan of either uh, when it comes to a welfare state or foreign policy, um, you know, interventionism, whatever the verbiage would be. I'm not a big fan of either. But the idea that we're sending, like, you read that one bill, the CARES Act, I think it was, and we sent 30, I don't know, like $80 million to, I think it was Iraq or Pakistan for gender studies. You're like, what the fuck? What? Well, and I, I think some of that very well may be like just a press release and how they're hiding deep cover money because we got to have be. some deep cover money. We got to have people that are going out defending the country and we got to be able to keep that stuff classified. So, yeah, maybe they did that. I would like to think that the people that are supposed to be smarter than us wouldn't do that. Wouldn't actually give that much money to Pakistan for gender studies. Yeah, yeah. That to me, I I think that um, man, we're the best country in the world. I think we've got people here qualified to determine who is a woman. <laughs> um, I would agree. Best country in the world, definitely the best place to live. Definitely the place best yeah. place to live. Now, sometimes I think the foreign policy can get a little carried away, and we're involved in this and involved in that, and I don't see a point to it. I think there's a good point to it because okay. if we don't have a presence, I'm All not saying, yeah, I'm not saying we shouldn't spend any money. I, I just think that the money that we spend needs to be checked. Um, someone should not be able to just write a check for $80 billion and give it away in a month. However, someone needs to have the power to do that. Like if, you know, you can, a guy walks up to you in the street, hey, I've got a $5 million house. I need money. I'll sell it to you right now for 50 grand. Someone needs to be able to write that check for 50 grand to get that $5 million house or whatever. But that doesn't mean if someone walks up into you, hey, I've got a, a some oceanfront property in Iowa, you know, for it's a $5 million condo. You want to buy it for 50 grand? I feel like that's kind of what Joe Biden's doing right now is he's buying oceanfront property in landlocked states. Okay. Um, so if it's in the best interest of our national security yeah, now and for the long run. Yeah. And like they, they are looking 10, 20, 30 steps ahead, I hope. Um, so, so maybe that's hard for the general public to look at and really understand what they're doing. But we don't have the information they have. So the only thing we can criticize them on is what they tell us. If you're not making moves 10, 20, 30 steps ahead, then, you know, I guess you're not really doing your job right as far as protecting the country for hundreds of years. Then to at least tell us that. At least say, hey, this does not make a bit of sense right now, but this is the long game. We can't always play the short game. Have you ever traveled outside of the country? Never. No, okay. No. Do you have... 
you want to? Yeah, I do. I, I'm just really caught up in work, and it's, it's not cheap to to go other places. Yeah, and and the time is really my like. I don't want to go travel and see the pyramids and do that for a weekend. Why do a 20 hour flight if you can't stay for 14, 21 days? I'm okay. not in. I, I've got a pretty solid team around me, but if I'm not here, shit will just fall apart. What can you tell us about what you do for a living? Um, so I, I'm an, I would like to consider myself like a r- solid, true entrepreneur. Um, I can do anything. I can build you a bridge in the middle of the desert. All I need is a check. Um, my bread and butter comes from transportation and logistics. I uh, move furniture. Just to kind of sum that up in a layman's term. Um, so maybe you find furniture, uh, you got a distributor in Texas. No, no, I, residential furniture. Okay. So like you're moving for work and your company's going to relocate you to Texas. And so then I'll move you to Texas. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do that. You, just, you own the business you work for, for that? Oh man, I just work here. No, I own the business. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I still work here though. So you do some driving now? Not not too much anymore. Um I I really am of the mindset that you shouldn't be working every day. So I can go out right now and keep up with someone who's twenty two years old, but I've probably done physical labor about five hundred days of my life over the last fifteen years. So someone has to be there for support. Someone has to uh, be behind the scenes ready to go and make decisions and whatnot. And I uh, wouldn't be able to do that stuff if I was out there in the field every single day. I noticed when we were scheduling the episode today, I I gave a couple options. We could do 1 p.m. in the afternoon or we could have done 8.30 p.m. You said your sleep is important. So I guess you got a pretty structured schedule. Yeah. Get up, get up and go in early. And you work all day. Yeah, yeah. So I get up very early. Um, some days, I, I like I would like to be on the CEO schedule and be up at 4 a.m. Okay. And go to sleep. Yeah. yeah, in a perfect world. But um, at least two or three days a week, I need to try to get out late and run. Um, I run early. And then uh, I train in the evenings. What do you mean you run? Like, Run, jog. Jog, okay. Yeah, like Zachariah Kamara, you do a run like him. No, 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 no. <laughs> that guy is a monster. He's a machine. You get out and casually run 18 miles. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no. I get out and casually run 1.8 miles. Okay, that's still pretty good. <laughs> or, yeah. But, um, yeah, so my days are long. I, I work a lot, just not physically. Um. Okay. What can you tell me about your martial arts combat sports uh, experience? What prompted you to get into that? You're 39 years old now. You said about four years ago. So I guess, uh, you know, 35 years old, you walked into Vision MMA in Cincinnati. and started, you know, what, what, what's your journey look like when it comes to combat sports? So uh, it's something that I've always, always been interested in. I... Uh, I know that I've probably seen the first UFC one. Like, it came out. I was living in Felicity at the time. But for me, like, my big moment, like, when I thought, like, oh, that looks, like, really cool. Like, I would want to do that one day was uh, walking into a buddy's house. And uh, Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner was on. And uh, 
just seemed cool. I always followed it. I've always watched it. It's uh, it's interesting. It's not something that just anyone can do. It's something that uh, I think you got to be an obsessive person. You you can't just do it part time. It's extremely hard. It's like I think one of the most difficult things that someone can do. So. You wanted to do it for a long time since, I mean, at least 93. But it progressed over time. You at least had a seed planted for many years. Uh, What prompted you about, what was it, about four years ago to actually step into a gym and start training? And was that your first exposure to combat sports? So I was reaching military age. They have a cutoff. Like, you can only be so old. And so I was like, do I want to just go enlist in the military or do I want to fight? Like I am an adrenaline junkie like through and through. So I uh, made the decision. Okay. I'm going to fight. I happened to do it then. And I was at a, a, a pretty big mall in Cincinnati, Kenwood mall, which just happens to be a few miles from vision. So when I started doing research, I was there And it showed up like on Google Maps in the vicinity. So I just Googled the martial arts gyms around me, did some research online. And uh, that's where I got the name. And it was probably a month or two after that, that I went ahead and came in. Um, I knew that starting out, I would have to, I was heavy set at the time. I was probably even obese. I probably weighed 265, 270. What are you now? Uh, now I'm like 210. Shit. Okay. Yeah. So I, I knew that I was going to have to change my diet. So I spent most of that summer before I started training, watching Gordon Ramsay videos on YouTube all summer long and just cooking and cooking. And I messed like I like, I've used a grill a few times. I can always kind of grilled out here and there, but, like, cooking on a stove was never something that I did too much of. So I, I learned how to cook, and um, I had always ate pretty balanced meals, but I didn't, like, cook them, prepare them, pay attention to good ingredients and whatnot. So so, so you uh, buckled down on your diet? That took a uh, so the diet's super important, but the exercise is uh, where it's at. I, buck- I buckled down on the diet, but it wasn't right away. Um, it, it, it was a process. Two or three months, it's not like I put myself through culinary school on YouTube. It took more time than what I thought it would. Um, so, yeah, I buckled down on it. But I also, uh, at the beginning of my training, it was kind of tough. Like, it's a lot of energy. So, it took a minute for me to get disciplined. Your first day at Vision, what did that look like? First day of Vision. Um, did you walk in and say, hey, I want to be a fighter and, or anything like that? You know, sometimes people walk in. No. Sure, Pender has a hundred stories where people walk in and say, I want to be an MMA fighter. And he's like, oh, God. Yeah. So when I walked in, I actually, um, Jeremy was doing a private. So I did meet him right walking in. And I had no idea, like who anyone there was or who fought out of there. I, like, I know they had, like, a five-star rating on Google, and um, 
I looked at, like, I could see the pictures of the buildings. It looked like a pretty big gym. Um, you know, I, I judged that by uh, the size of the building and the location and whatnot. But uh, met him. Mainly what I remember is that, like, his ears were just pretty beat up. Looked like he had been in a lot of fights. His ears. So you knew enough to know, check his ears out. No. No, not at that time. Not you at that did, time. You did recognize it. You're like, what the fuck? This guy's ears are fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And and then I reckon, then it made sense. Like Down the road. Yeah. No, right away. Right but, away, you're right, like, those right ears away. must be fucked up for a reason. Yeah. It's new uh, to me, this but looks, I, I kind of pick up on something's there. Yeah, this dude looks like he uh, has fought a lot. So, yeah. And um, I went ahead and I didn't do like a trial class or anything like that. I just went ahead and paid for the whole month. So I, right away, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, so I, I knew that I was coming back. I didn't, like, check it out or do a trial class or anything like that. Didn't check any other gyms out? Yeah, online, though. Oh. I, I, I went, like, drove by a few. So, like, it, it wasn't like I went in and talked to anyone. I like to think that I'm an excellent judge of character. So uh, I, I went off of that. It felt right right away like when i was in there watching it i probably spent five minutes in there but I, it felt right what was your first class uh jujitsu in the gi in the gi okay did you get choked out no you no. Did, didn't get submitted it, it was drilling I, I, we didn't roll didn't do free training i didn't even have a gi oh i see okay so yeah. not your first that makes sense yeah yeah I, I i really came in just to kind of see what the atmosphere was like um I didn't, so my first class was in the gi, but I didn't train in the gi for, I didn't even buy a gi. I did no gi only for the first two months or something like that. I just got tired of having to wait around for the next class, but then I did the gi and I loved it. So like, I, I mean, really the gi is my favorite. Still to this day, the gi is your favorite? Still to today. Like I, for, for, um, for my game, I like no gi more. But I like the complexity of the gi. There are, there's more offense available. There's more pressure that can be applied. I, I like the gi more, but I, no gi has its advantages. Okay. Um, so you started training. Uh, what was it? About a year ago, you were set to make your amateur debut. Was it about a year ago? No, it was two, two years ago. Two years ago. That was shortly after the episode. So that we recorded no, before that, that I was set to make my debut. I, I've had I think three or four fights scheduled to make my debut. Like I mean, I think like playground rules. I know I'm one and zero, but I think playground rules. I'm four and zero because I signed the contract every single time, and I was going to show up every single time. In my mind, I was going to win every single time. Like I, you know. But what's your summary of those first three fights? What happened? summary of them right, i mean they, they obviously didn't happen actually happened but why not yeah uh, so all i know is what i'm told it was like issues with the medical i know one probably was my fault and i don't blame anyone for that like but that was if, the one with jordan tennyson yeah okay. yeah if i'm if i'm wrong i'm wrong and to me it's like i can always be wrong but if I sign a contract, I show up, period. You, you were ready to show up. Business, Other life. stuff went through. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, so walk me through. I still have not seen the actual video. 
Walk me through what happened in your actual amateur debut. Yeah, so um, it was short, right? Yeah, it was like a minute, eight seconds. Um, well, actually, before telling me about the actual fight, what did you know about this guy getting coming into it? Absolutely nothing. What was his record? Oh and one. Oh and one. Okay. So how, I, how big was he? How old? So he was, uh, I think, thirty-one. Probably six foot one, six foot two. How how like tall that. are you? Probably five ten, five eleven. Okay. Yeah. He's six one, six two. A little younger than you. Yeah, probably. I mean, on paper, probably the smallest opponent I had been set to fight. But I think to me, he probably would have been the hardest. So. He gave up a little bit of weight, probably 20 pounds lighter than me, so he was going to be faster. He what, had, what was the weight cost? Heavyweight. What did, what, do you remember what you both weighed in at? I weighed in at 219. He weighed in at like uh, 201. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he gave up some weight. But I think that's, to me, harder. Like the guy's lighter. He's going to be faster. He's already fought um, in the fight. He didn't do anything special, though. So... Uh, name was uh Aaron Fugazi. Aaron Fugazi. <laughs> no, I think it was Fugate, but okay. So uh, play by play within those minute and 8 seconds, what happened in the fight? Um are you a southpaw? I am. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Um so I'm sorry. What happened in the fight? Um gallop out. I uh I don't believe in touching gloves. Uh, I think it's awkward. So I gallop out, throw a couple jabs, let him know we're not going to play patty cake. It's um, move around a little bit. He uh, throws a leg kick. I check it really, really hard. He didn't throw another kick after that. I'm pretty sure that he hurt himself when he threw the leg kick. He uh, didn't move too fast either. I reach in to jam a punch. He gets off a, a Lead hook right away. I misjudged the distance on jamming him in the bicep. So he uh, moves around a little bit after that. It wasn't like, you know, anything special. After he threw a kick and a punch, he really just moves away. You know, like he just constantly is moving away. And I'm not used to that at all. You checking that kick maybe mentally. No, it hurt him. It physic not mentally. I know it hurt mentally, him. Yeah. physically. It's funny when you when you train. I do minimal kickboxing, but when you have the shin guards on, you you're like, oh, that did hurt. I get it, but I can you know I can survive, right? right. With, and I've never sparred even with no shin guards on. Yeah, like so, I kicked the bag with no shin guards on. I got really really sharp shins. Um, there was a time where I would condition them, and I would like lay in bed and snap like wooden objects or sure. whatever on my shins. Not like crazy hard, like kicking trees or anything like that, but more of light, repetitive stuff. Okay. You know, I did that for probably six months or a year or something. Okay, I, so you really checked that kick? Really checked that. Like a good, solid check. Like it did not hurt me at all. I felt the sensation of the, the check and like the way it, it was perfect shin on shin. So it was a solid check. It was done perfectly, and it had hurt him for sure. Wow, okay. Um he circles away. I land a really good teep right in the midsection. Um, definitely took his breath. Definitely saw it on his face. I think of it a lot like poker, like he gave up a lot. I kick him in the leg probably right after that, almost knocking down. Go to follow up, but I just wasn't in range. And then uh, let him out. He moves around a little bit more. 
and, and I could feel that he was about to throw something. Like I'm constantly fading the level change the entire time. Move him over. He gets to his corner, though. And then as I'm fainting the level change and going to dive in, I'm about to force the shot. When I go to force the shot, I hear his corner yell. Like, here comes the level change. Watch for the shot. So then I'm like, man, I'm not going to do it. Because I've seen so many, like, amateur and regional fights where it's like you force the shot and then you're stuck on the fence and it just gets boring. And that's, like – I, that's not what I wanted to do. So I, it wasn't I, just about you getting the wind at all costs. You didn't want it to be boring. I, no, I didn't want it to be boring by any means, but I didn't want to be stuck not not being able to complete a takedown because I did something stupid. Okay, you didn't want to make a fatal flaw. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to be stuck on the fence. Like I, I believe that if I would have got in there, as long as I can get my hands on him, I'm solid. I know I can take him down. I'm confident with my wall grappling. So I, I know that I would have been able to take him down. I just didn't want to get stuck in a position where I gave up the shot and run into a knee or an uppercut or something like that. So, Okay. So and from there, he uh, I don't give up the shot. I don't force it. I let him out. He circles out a little bit more, and he goes, and I can feel him like he's about to throw something. And as soon as he throws a jab, I think, or a cross or whatever, he throws his right hand to me and I slip it and just hit him with a uh, a left cross and he just verbally taps out or waves it off whatever that's the end of it good sportsmanship between you and him or any you guys interacted all after that uh I, yeah I talked to him a little bit like I, to me it was like kind of a bitch move to tap no I mean it was a good shot okay it, it, it was a good shot it was hard I hit hard like, I mean, that's pretty documented. Like, when I hit people, I hurt them, you know? Like, I mean, I've got orbital bones and broken noses and broken jaws all on my criminal record. So, if... Uh, on your actual criminal record. Every time I hit somebody, I break something. They probably wish they were knocked out because it wouldn't hurt as much. Um, do you have a substantial criminal record? I mean, every... My criminal record's pretty simple. Everything on it is BS, didn't do it, justified. Like okay. a, a guy tried to rob me. I broke his orbital bone and had $100,000 in medical bills, but he had a gun and tried to rob me. In Cincinnati? In my office, yeah. Did you know him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I knew him. He worked for me. He was strung out? No, he wasn't strung out. I mean, just a piece of shit? Just a, yeah. I gave the dude a chance. He had just did 10 years in prison for like burglary or something like that. Um, but I, I mean, I feel like you should get a chance. Like I'm a felon. That's uh, nothing I can do about that. How long's the longest you've done? I've never done time. Okay. No, I got like the biggest law firm in Ohio behind me. But you're technically a felon. Yeah, I'm technically a felon. So you can't vote? I don't know. I've never voted. Okay. That's something I heard. Maybe you can't vote, but I don't vote. Wouldn't vote even if you could. Um, maybe I, I heard that maybe you can vote in some states. I've heard Rand Paul, who of course I'm a big fan of, talk about restoring voting rights to felons. Um, and I'm cool with that. I don't think, I don't think they will. I think they should restore voting rights to felons. I think they should also restore firearm rights to felons, but you know, 
nothing I can do about that. About I'd rather the, be dead than in prison. So okay. Um, never done time. You've been locked up a few days. Um, like cumulatively three weeks my entire life. Okay, that's I get out on bond. Okay, um, that's an interesting topic you brought up with the gun rights being restored to felons. These red flag law stuff with these shootings. Well, I they think start coming up, and then everybody said, "Oh God, what? We need to start having mental." Uh, you know, mental health background checks and we need to uh, not allow certain people to have guns. And it's arguably a real slippery slope when you look at the history of corrupt governments or any government. When they start doing that, it does not head in a good direction. I assume you are on the same page with me on that. Yeah, pretty much. I think that uh, mental health is probably more important than felon. So with mental health, like schizophrenia, PTSD, stuff like that, I think that, yeah, that's important. Like, the people that are shooting up schools and stuff like that, but also our country is as great as it is, not because of our military, it's because of our armed citizens. So Mm. no country is going to come over here on our soil, not because we have the largest military in the world, but we also have the largest stockpile of weapons in our civilians' homes. So that almost turns into some type of a slippery slope thing then too. It's like if someone's actually diagnosed with, um, you know, schizophrenia, no guns from them from that point forward. I would think not. No. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, then that, that, that does open up, you know, I've been reading Thomas Sowell recently and he gets into the details of when you pass a policy, it has trickled down, you know, uh, unintended consequences, regardless of what it is. It's not like there's any policy that's going to be flawless, regardless, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Um, But that turns into, okay, someone has a little bit of depression. They see a therapist. Is that therapist qualified to diagnose them with something, you know? Maybe they were diag- I've, I, I know someone in particular who was diagnosed with manic depressant bipolar. But they're like, well, I didn't really even have any episodes. And I believe them. And I'm like, okay, well, then how would that fall under that type of a, a system? You know, it's, I guess what I'm saying is nothing's easy, regardless of which angle you take on it. But that seems like it could also be. And I'm not saying you take every nut job out there and say everybody should have a gun. I don't know what the answer is, but it's just kind of begs the the conversation of where do you draw the line i think that it's easy enough to make the general public come in every four years to get a driver's license test it should be easy enough to make the general public come in not with their firearms but just come in and you know get a qualified doctor to make sure they're okay um i mean yeah it's a slippery slope i mean I think in the perfect world, everybody's allowed to have a gun. I, I, that's kind of where I fall on it. Now, I haven't had one of my kids shot and killed by some psychopath or, you know, so someone has yeah. something like that happen. I'm not going to be like, oh, you need to relax, sir. Yeah. You need to relax. Everyone should be able to have a gun because theoretically, that's what I believe. I have firsthand experience with people that have schizophrenia. Okay. I've seen people in manic episodes. Those are people that you would not want to have a gun. I have also, I, I've, um, you know, 
people I've grown up with. I've had friends. I, I agree. <clears throat> but I, I don't know what the answer is. The answer is, is that other people have guns too. I mean, if if you're going to give uh, one person a gun, you got to give everyone else one. It's got to be an even playing field, I think, in the perfect world. Yeah. And there's no such thing. I guess the, the moral there's, that, there's no such thing as a perfect world. We need to establish that off the, yeah. off the, uh, the you know, the, the, at the beginning. Uh, my wife, Yanni, always reminds me that anytime you start describing some new system that'll be, whether it's anarchy or whatever it is, she's like, well, that sounds like a utopia. And of course, she comes from communist Cuba. And she's like, gets real, you know, like tense if someone starts describing something and it sounds real utopian where it's like a perfect world. There's no such thing. So, yeah, it sounds like she's got some common sense. I think she does, and it's experiential learning. It's not like she chose to have had any of it. It's like a lot to be learned from that for, you know, people like you and I and people in this country or, you know, I think it's easy to grow up here and to start thinking, you know, this, this place kind of sucks. I don't know why it's easy. I've fortunately, thanks to, I guess, my father, I don't know. I've never really fell into that trap. But I think having someone like Yanni or someone who comes from a place that truly sucks, I I think their perspective and that, like, really should be fucking valuable to a lot of people. Yeah, I I think a lot of that starts in the home and at school. Um, I I think that um, public education is sometimes really bad when you're in overpopulated cities and um it it just gears people up for negative mindsets if you if you have a bad family life and then you are forced to like go to school because you know both of your parents are working or whatever and i think that it's just it it can just make it breed negativity like i mean go out Single family homes, both parents. I, I think it's the same. If you got a bad family life and then bad experiences in an overpopulated school where you got drug dealers in school, and it, it's just gonna make you be negative. Some people make it out, but what do you credit it to that you don't have that type of perspective? Your your family life growing up. Um. Yeah. Probably my mom and my uncles. I mean, I didn't even know what money was until I was like 12. I knew we were poor. I knew we didn't have money, but I didn't even understand rent or bills or anything like that. Um, I had a lot of good teachers. Uh, I went to some inner city school. I, I, I'll credit it to a very diverse childhood. I, I've seen the inner city. I've seen the country. Um, books. I mean, I've seen the world through books. Okay. It's interesting to try to, for me at least, that's a recent kick for me is to try to pinpoint, like I never experienced, like Thomas Sowell, I mentioned him earlier, he, in his 20s, he described himself as a Marxist. You know, he grew up in Harlem in the ghetto, university system, public schools taught him this and the rich people are evil and, you know, workers' rights, things like that. He was a Marxist and then he had a, a realization, I think, in his 30s and can completely really flip the script for his perspective. That's a fascinating perspective. Mine, I don't even know what the fuck it is. I, I, I guess my dad has always talked to me that we're fortunate that we have opportunities. We have freedom, freedom of speech, shit like that. 
and for some reason it's sunk in. I'm fortunate, but it, it's it's fascinating to hear different people's perspectives on that type of shit. Yeah. Freedom of speech, I think, is the biggest. Like, without freedom of speech, you can't do anything. It's a big one. It is. Um, Yanni's uh, the mother to, I'm sorry, the father to my stepdaughter um, in Cuba. He was never a fan of the government. And he would, um, you know, want to build a house. He was trying to build a house. You think we got regulations and shit that prevent you from doing stuff like that here? It's pretty pretty bad in Cuba. And you don't even have money there. Um, but he would try to do things and they would not allow him to. And it was almost on a choice basis. They would let certain people do things, but they wouldn't let other people do things. And he was started to be critical of the government. He even put a sign in his front yard criticizing the government and he went to jail for a while. Just because he was criticizing the government. That's horrible. And this is coming from Yanni, who's no fan of this guy. She's not like trying to make him sound good to me at all. Right. <laughs> not the best guy. Not a good guy. But he went to fucking jail for criticizing the government. Um, I think that's something we take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be able to say whatever we want. I mean, but like <laughs> you get the Johnny Depp, <clears throat> excuse me, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial. You can't just say whatever you want about whoever. Hmm. I guess there are some consequences. You can't like make up shit. I can't accuse you of some violent. You assaulted me. I make some shit up. That's freedom of speech. That shouldn't be, I shouldn't be allowed to do that. Is right. that what you mean? Amber Heard basically accused Johnny Depp of some shit he didn't do. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, I've been accused of, by women of stuff I haven't done to. Okay. I've, I'm, uh, I mean, by no means am I a saint, but man, every single thing on my criminal record, I should, like one. It was it, all warranted. Man, everything, like not guilty of it, except for one thing. I took a charge, actually my first felony. Had I not done that, I would not be a felon. What so, was, can you tell me what that was? My first felony, my sister got a check through Craigslist for like seven or $10,000 or something. She totally committed the felony. But because she had a young daughter, I had money, I went ahead and took it for her. So that, How I did really, she get a check through Craigslist? This was, uh, she ordered a check through Craigslist. Ordered a, a fake check. Like one of those scammers where you're supposed to take the check and send them money back or something. So she was kind of being scammed, but at the same time she came out on top. No, she didn't come out on top. She she just didn't go to jail. I took the charge because she had at the time like a two or three year old kid. She mm. was just starting college. Damn. I took the charge for her. I paid it back, like, you know, I, I, I took it for her. You still have a good relationship with your sister? Uh, yeah, she lives with me. Okay, cool. Yeah. She's uh, actually um, diagnosed bipolar, schizophrenic. Wow, okay, wow. So, yeah, so she lives with me. I, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, when it came time for my second felony where a guy tried to rob me, and then uh, went to the hospital, left the hospital with his gun and all that stuff as the police were coming up there because he didn't wake up for like 10 minutes. And uh, So you hit him, knocked him out, he was out for 10 minutes. He was out for 10 minutes, and it took me 9 minutes and 59 seconds before I called 911. When, 
And then five seconds later, he wakes up. And my wife had nightmares for like a month. She was there? Oh, she, her and my secretary was there. <laughs> They're like, Tim, why did you fucking hit this guy? Well, they did know they why the I hit thing? it. Oh, they okay. seen the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I knew it was going to. So, he, this guy was sleeping with my secretary. No big deal. He works here. She works here. It's a free country, whatever. And uh, he's out on a job. And he calls in. He's working on his birthday. He's mad. Doesn't realize the secretary answers the phone while it's on speakerphone. And one of my other workers was in the office and heard him say that he was going to rob me. So I had slept at the office knowing that he may rob me. I have to, you know, like the secretary is going to be there at 8 a.m. And sure enough, he comes in guns blazing at like 8.01. So that secretary didn't tell you it was the other employee who told you? Secretary was fucking him, kept it quiet. She confirmed it. After the fact. After the fact. Like, I knew prior that it was going to happen, but I can't You always have a bunch of cash on you or something? Is that, he was going to rob you, what was he going to do? When you come in at midnight, you know, with cash, like now, no. Now it's cash, cash app, or crypto. Gotcha. Like I, every dollar I get goes to the bank. Like I, the more you claim, the more you can borrow. Okay. So okay. Like it's, it's not that I have a bunch of cash. I can go make a deposit at any time. This was 10 years ago or something. Okay. So. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So No, you're good. So, so wow. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that guy back in jail? I don't know. He had just did like a 10-year stint in prison, and then they, uh, like two weeks later somehow, man, this guy calls a detective and makes up some stuff. This is after he says he's going to press charges on me if I don't give him $5,000. After you knocked him out, he went to the hospital, he got out, then he started trying to bribe you. After I do that, you know, take his bullets and all that stuff. While he was out, you, you, you didn't take his gun, you just... Took all the bullets out. I just made sure it wasn't going to hurt anybody. Okay. Yeah. So it, it didn't help that the uh, the secretary was in cahoots with him. So it was kind of two versus two. I think it was pretty even. But he he is at that point able to dress up some corrupt charges against me, try to extort me. Ended up finding a, a detective and who believed his story. And they, I didn't find out till a couple of weeks later. I got a felony too, so I'm facing eight to twelve years in prison. Jesus. So I, I pled out. I said I'll plead out as a workers' comp paid all of his bills. I'm like I'll plead out as long as he doesn't get a dollar from me. And he stood up in front of the judge after that and said, Your Honor, the state of Ohio should not have to pay for this. He should pay me back, blah, 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 whatever. And the judge said, Well, you will, sir, get a call from probation. The judge knew what he was doing. The prosecutor knew. Everybody knew what he was doing. That guy probably had a track record of robbing people. Yeah. Armed robbery and shit like that. Yeah. You didn't. You don't. No, no. Yeah, I, so. I, I won't steal. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a thief by any means. Okay. Um, so you're one to know as an amateur. You're 39 years old. It's a little old to make a run to the UFC. Yeah, you're as old as you feel. Would you agree with that or no? I'm not making a run for the UFC, man. I just want to get better at martial arts. Okay. 
Like, what does that look like? What does it look like for Tim Schaffner to get better at martial arts going forward? Train. Continue to train, show up. Yeah, show up. Showing up's the hardest part, man, I think, for anybody and everybody. Like, you got to be there every day. For the professionals that have already made it, I guess it would be easier. But I, I think it probably depends on the person. I think people could easily get caught up in their own head and blinded by their own success, and then, you know, they get media opportunities. It's probably the easiest thing in the world. Like, I guess it's hard to get up and run at 4 a.m. when you wake up in satin sheets. I think, um, who was that? Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali had a good quote about it. I forget who it was. Yeah, something like that. All the people reach that pinnacle. Not yeah. all. To his credit, not the most uh, literate man ever. Probably not the smartest with his money. But to his credit, Floyd Mayweather, I'll say. Greatest boxer probably of this recent era. He didn't seem like he fell into that shit. It's because no. his style was mostly to try to, you know, hit and not get hit. And actually, you know, fans don't always like that. But he would fucking win the big money fights. And, you know, he wasn't out drinking. He wouldn't do anything too dumb. He was kept working hard. He didn't let himself get gain weight. You never really saw him. And you're like, wow, he's lost it. Yeah, I, I've heard stories about that guy. Like, he would go to strip clubs, drink nothing but water, and then run home at Three in the morning. That's in cool his as gene. fuck. That honestly, is cool as shit. that is cool as fuck. So yeah. he's not like a a square, right? He's just disciplined. He's not dumb. Yeah. Um, despite being seemingly, you know, maybe illiterate or whatever you want to say about him, people Floyd Mayweather is an interesting case. Are you a bo- fan of uh, Western style boxing? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of all martial arts. I watch like even like karate combat and stuff. I'm not a huge fan of like. Taekwondo and karate in the sense of, like, 12-year-old black belts. But, like, look at Wonder Boy. Look at, you know, like, Machida. That base is effective. I like certain philosophies and concepts of it. I like the stance. I like boxing stances and styles, wrestling. I like really all martial arts. I think that there is something that you can take from everything. As long as it's not uh, Detroit urban survival training. <laughs> what about Daryl Ray? Or Daryl Ray. I think he might even be in the same. I don't know what their martial art is. I'm Do, it's called Dobasutai. Dobasutai. Yeah. Sounds a lot like dust to me. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, maybe. I don't know if they have anybody representing their. To his credit, they they have he's cornered some of the fastest knockouts in the history of Kentucky. In the history Most of Kentucky, amateur MMA. Yep. Amateur. Yep. Yeah, I don't think that's anything notable. Okay. Um, but you would agree with what I said about Floyd Mayweather being the the greatest boxer of this era, past twenty twenty years or so. Absolutely, okay. Floyd Mayweather. Uh, yeah. I'm not a, a boxing historian, so I, I think Floyd is uh man fifty and zero. I, I know he's fought some of the greats. I don't know what I don't know what his record is as far as like who he fought and when he fought. Yeah, early no, on. people can be critical of some of that stuff. Yeah, was like, a couple, Jose Luis Castillo he fought, and arguably Castillo should have won. It was a decision. 
So, you know, of course there's going to be critics who poke holes in everything. Yeah, yeah, but I think that, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you still got to show up. You still got to win on that day. And to show up 50 days and be on your game 50 times is tough or 49, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and his style is, I love his style, hit and don't get hit. Like, I think that's. You don't think that's cowardly? Not at all. I think that's smart. Like, I mean, you're not going to make it to your next fight if you get hit, you know? Like, you're just taking more damage mm-hmm. every single time. Like, I like watching the firefights. <laughs> Don't I get think me everybody wrong. does. Yeah, it's it's cool to watch the firefights, but it's not. what's not cool is to watch a firefight where it's like no regard, you're swinging hooks from your hips and uh, stuff like that. Like, if – if you can slow it down and see the technique and, and and what they're trying to do, you can see the wheels spinning in the fighter's head and they can still operate that fast, like like you know, like Max Holloway or something. Like he's he's in some really fast fights that are very technical. What about like Wanderlei uh, Silva? You see what was that one fight? Who was it? Wanderlei? Yeah, I think it was a um pride fight and it's just the worst boxing you could ever see but they're beating the fuck out of each other just taking turns punching Mm. each other in the face some japanese guy uh and silva and it was it was pretty crazy you know and it's fun to watch that shit don't get me wrong i like you know silva's a beast yeah he's a beast legend yeah i like his fight who's your favorite mma fighter of all time I don't have a favorite. Who's MMA the best fighter. MMA fighter of all time? And probably, as much as I hate to say it, probably John Jones. Okay, difficult to argue with that because it's modern. You know, it's not like it was way back in the day. I, and I, man, it's not even that it's my like it's been a, a few generations, and he still hasn't lost. Still hasn't lost. Um, and what he does in the cage is pretty spectacular. I think that uh, you can tell his fight IQ is pretty high. Sure. Uh, Khabib, I don't think they're, they're the best one ever is not here yet. Okay. It's so going to be. We're yet to see it. Yeah. The best martial arts fighter ever. Like right now, it's probably John Jones or Khabib. Or, and I don't know how, what system you could ever come up with to choose who the goat is but you know george st pierre i okay. think maybe him because you know no peds fought everybody so there's a good case for that but uh the best one ever is not here yet he's gonna be some kid who's been training mma since he's been five years old comes up in the gym and he's gonna be great at everything Probably even be able to talk on the microphone. Might even have a fancy walkout like, uh, you know, Adesanya or somebody. But he'll, he'll probably be perfect, and it's probably 10, 20 years from now. And I think that'll be dominating, like someone who can just dominate from all aspects. They, so. What about, like, Khabib and, and his cousin Umar, of course, fought Nathan Manis just a few weeks ago. Right. Dominated him. That was crazy. Did you see that fight? I have not seen that fight. That was fucking... I love Nathan Manis. Yeah. Um, I, I 
fan of the dude. He's pretty dominant. Yeah, big fan of Nathan Mandis's, but Umar uh, looks fucking good. If you come up doing the Sambo, Sambo seems like a pretty good foundation. If you're, I don't know, if you're one of the, in that family, I don't know. But the way those guys do it, I guess the fact that they've accounted for strikes for so long. They're Possibly. Do, they're yeah. doing the wrestling, but they've never gotten into any habits. You know, sometimes a wrestler, even in jujitsu, you know, wrestlers will come in and stick their head right into a guillotine. Yeah, yeah. Even good wrestlers. And I'm not saying that it's like, that I, you know, it's me fucking them up or anything. But, you know, you see someone with a wrestling foundation, they go in against someone who's done jujitsu more. Um, there's some mistakes that they can make there. But if you've always had to account for submissions... And strikes, um, I guess that seems ideal. But that's what you said is about 20 years from now, probably someone who's kind of trained MMA from the beginning in all facets. Yeah, because, like, I think wrestling's the best base for sure. MMA. Difficult to argue with that. But it's so hard to uh, get that from starting in, a like, almost a three-point stance, basically, to now you're upright, punches are going to be coming at your head, like, I, I think that uh, Greco wrestler, I think John Jones was even a Greco wrestler. Right? He did some Greco, yeah. He was a junior college uh, wrestler. So, he was a, uh, you know. Yeah, and it's more upright. Style. Yeah, but he did some Greco, yeah. Yeah, it's more, more upright. I, I always get confused with the names of the wrestling. I know, like. Different people call it different stuff. I don't know. But. Yeah, Greco's interesting. I've, I've been very fortunate to be friends with Momir Petkovic, Serbian, 1976 Olympic gold medalist. Man, I use, I, and I, I trained with him the last time I came down here. Yeah, you, you were there. You and Jeremy, I forgot to, you just said that. You were here the yeah. day that we went at Louisville Combat Academy. We all got to train. Yeah, and I all the time I think about when there's stuff that he shows, like he showed a gable grip. And just the way that he's adjusting it. And at the time, it didn't really register to me. And, and I, I've, I learned a lot just from that little bit of time from that guy. My wrestling is pretty garbage. Like a lot, of, a lot of people who started jujitsu late never wrestled growing up. They got into jujitsu. Unless you have the reps, you know, it's difficult to catch up to someone who's been wrestling since they were in middle or high school. Yeah. But the, re the takedowns I do get, which once again, very minimal. Not talking up my wrestling at all. But the takedowns I do get, or even the, the takedown defense I use that sometimes works at least a little if I'm doing MMA sparring, I can basically credit it all to Momir. Because it's simple shit. It's like you got to have a strong base. You got to uh, keep your, your knees bent. got to, you know, stay in tight. And then a couple, you know, headlock takedown. Just a couple simple uh, Greco-type throws. I mean, I'm a big fan of Momir. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, I, I can always tell. I haven't traveled extensively, but I've been lucky enough to travel a little bit and kind of see other instructors and coaches and stuff. So, like, almost everything that I do is going to be credited to Pender. Like, like I, you know, I'm there 99.9% .9 of the time. I and I take and use a lot of the things that I see like online from other people or like that I work. And I like that dude is like my bullshit meter. Like I, I'm blessed to be able to send him something that I'm seeing at like 10 o'clock at night. And he's like, yeah, that, that's stupid. Or like, he'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. The, the brutal honesty of a, a 
combat sports coaches. Refreshing. Yeah, yeah. I I think it um, not only depends on the person, but probably where you're at in your journey, too. So it, it kind of goes in stages. Like, you really don't know what you know until you don't know it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, where are you at in your martial arts journey? I'm a complete epitome of a hobbyist. I do train regularly. Um, tonight I will do, uh, it's Wednesday, Wednesday. I'll do light sparring at house of warrior boxing gym. So 40, 50%, uh, mouthpiece, no headgear, 16 ounce gloves. So we'll go into the boxing gym. It's an all boxing gym. Great location. Um, mostly kids. I'm definitely the oldest guy there except for the coach Abdullah. Another, um, this is an actor, you know, Momir is a Serbian. So Eastern block, right. this guy's actually Russian. Uh, Abdullah, uh, Ruslan Amanov. Um, but we'll go in, we'll do a, a, a warm-up, some nice um, traditional Russian boxing warm-ups. And then we'll do light sparring, probably eight rounds, eight two-minute rounds. And then we'll do some conditioning after that. So that's Wednesday for me, every Wednesday. Thursday night, I'll do a kickboxing class. It's about an hour. BJ Ferguson teaches at Louisville Combat Academy. Friday night, I try to make a no-gi class at Gracie of Kentucky. Saturday, I try to train jujitsu gi. Sunday, I try to do uh, uh, kickboxing sparring and MMA sparring in the evening. Then I start back over Monday. It's boxing. No sparring, but boxing class. Tuesday night, I don't always get to do the no-gi jujitsu class at Gracie on Tuesday, but I teach the kids every Tuesday. So I do train regularly. That, yeah, that's a little bit more than a hobbyist. I guess, but but I think a hobbyist to me is um, two classes a week. I know. I just said I train seven days a week is what I just said. Yeah. But I don't always do seven. And to be fair, I don't go real hard. Like my goal tonight is, you know, move, hit and not get hit. But even when I hit not to hit too hard, you know. I, I think that's important, consistency. Like you shouldn't, maybe depending on where you're at, like – the closer you are to a fight. Sure. Yeah, you may maybe. want to pick it up. And only when someone that you know you can pick it up with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just don't get to that point. You I'm, competed? Um, no, I competed a little bit in jiu-jitsu. as a white. And then at the beginning of a blue belt. You don't ever get the itch to like. Not really. This is, I get to go on Sundays and get fucked up. I train with Isaiah Ferguson regularly. BJ Ferguson. Sometimes Lance Lawrence. I got submitted by Lance Lawrence last night. He's the all-time leader in wins for the history of the B2 fighting series. Um, I get my fix. I get fucked up plenty. Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, get, I get fucked I up get all the time. I get my fix, and it's plenty of a, a challenge and stimulating, and I like teaching the kids. And it, also, I have three kids. I got a 15-year-old stepdaughter, 14-year-old daughter, 13-year-old son. And so I get them in there as often as possible. My stepdaughter's with me training Every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday. Not, she doesn't go Fridays normally, but every Saturday. Yeah, every woman should have like a blue belt at minimum. She'll be 16 in uh, October and she'll be able to test for a blue belt at some point. Short, you know, we're hoping soon thereafter. That's my stepdaughter. So I'm a big fan of not just me training for me, but just the lifestyle and promoting the, it's corny, but you know. Man, my, my daughter's learning some shit. I mean, they're not going to be world beaters or even compete, but like to have some foundation of boxing and grappling. 
and the the community is filled with a lot of great people. It too. is. Occasionally, there's a piece of shit. Yeah. But they get weeded out pretty quick, and they get the kids get to see that. Like, you see that guy was a dickhead. Well, that's what happened. You know, I, I, not to sound like a gangster or something, but like it's right. it's a cool community, and it the majority is. of the people in there are real solid. And if a piece of shit comes along, they get to see them dealt with, and they get to hear you know real life conversations. It's not a bunch of pussies. You know. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It, it's men talking, and sometimes it'll be like locker room talk or whatever. But I don't care. It's not anything bad, you know. Yeah, and I, I, if someone comes in and maybe they're not, I mean, I would think anyone that comes in, like that's going to be a huge culture shock, like compared to if you've never trained, like wherever you're at, and then you, you know, the the maybe it's a little bit different in different sports, is what I'm saying. Sure. So like if because uh, you could actually get your ass kicked. Very, yeah. it's very real that if you're a douchebag. Yeah in a combat sports gym. And I think coming going forward there needs to be some kind of a transition of other athletes from high school and college like so like someone who played football and is a fast runner or you know like a wide receiver or whatever and maybe they you know they graduate high school or they graduate college and they have a choice I can go fight or I can go to the NFL mm. and it's lucrative enough that they, that option, I, I think that's best for the sport. Hmm. So okay. I, when I say culturally, that's what I mean. So if you have someone who's grown up in a team sport their whole life, that's way different. You know, MMA is a team sport. Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. Without a doubt, it is to a degree. Yeah, yeah, to a degree until it's time to perform. Sure, and then it's just you by yourself. You you do see Greg Hardy or someone like that later. Yeah, Make a run at it, but I, it's kind of sloppy. Yeah, I think that dude beat his wife or something. I don't know. He did, yeah. Not yeah. just once. Not just one woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'm. there was a, a about a six-foot-five black kid who came into boxing Monday. Today's Wednesday. And he, I went up and talked to him. He's 16 years old. He plays basketball for Fern Creek High School. His dad was in there watching him. I was like, this is fucking awesome. He, I said, do you think you're going to play college basketball? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting offers already. And I was like, went up to the dad and I was like, you are a good dad. You know, this is awesome. I hope. And the kid seemed like he liked it. So hopefully to the tune of what you're saying, you know, even if it's just boxing, uh, whether he, he gets to the point where he's going to pursue a whatever, maybe he's not even going to go pro basketball or combat sports. But I do think the, uh, the combat sports element to life is, has some value. It's difficult to articulate, but I think it, it, adds like a degree of humility to anyone yeah yeah and and contact sports combat sports it's all pretty much you know it's a sport i I think that maybe it'll be bigger i think the ufc being first back through covid being a white's not a bitch right right (laughs) he was like all right where do we need to go this island we'll go there yeah yeah, and it's a little bit easier to set a cage up inside of a building than it is to have a football game inside of a building. Okay. I, I think that his his aggressiveness to be back and do what he had to do, that's going to pay off down the line. I mean, I, I think that eventually they'll probably overtake football. Uh, I think their ratings have been dropping year after year for quite some time. I grew up traditionally as a basketball, football, baseball fan, but over the years, past decade, I've like shifted away from it. 
So, I mean, I'm sold on that. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers, you know, say, but I know that the CTE and shit like that is real bad for football. Yeah. It's not as bad for MMA. It's just not. Well, it's not. I mean, if you put helmets on MMA fighters and then gave the other fighter a sledgehammer, it's, you know, and that's pretty much what you're doing. You're, you're taking oh, yeah. two guys like the running of the bulls and smacking into heads. You know, like it's just horrible. It is. I, I was not much of a football player, but I remember freshman year of high school, I was on the team. And like a, one game, I was punt returner. And you got to look up, try to catch the ball. And you're thinking, oh, fuck, people are running straight at me. And I'm not even looking at them. I don't want to be a bitch and call for a fair catch, you know, if I don't have to. But I mean, the whole idea in football, you're running along and you just get fucking blindsided or you're returning a punt, and you just get blindsided, and it's got the helmet. They're spearing you with the head, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that shit's, you know, pretty bad for you. I'd yeah. much rather my kids play, you know, train MMA or even fight MMA instead of pursue anything to do with football. Do you think, like, the number of people that start out playing peewee that eventually make it to the NFL. Mm. You think there's a similar number for like combat sports? Like say like so we've got a generation of kids now growing up in the gym. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the first or second generation. It, yeah, it's new. Yeah. So the, these guys are going to grow up and mm. eventually make it to the UFC. Do you think that number looks similar to the number of like football, baseball, softball? Yeah, I would say okay, those are some different topics there. I would say football, if we're just talking about American football, because it's really only popular in the United right. States. There's Europe has some version of the NFL, but that's not even a big deal. No. But they get paid a little bit, not soccer, much. Soccer, though. Yeah, football. soccer and baseball are different worlds. Because you can play for the Louisville Bats, which is a triple-A team. Every time I go to a game, I sit there with my cell phone, and I Google, okay, what's that guy's name? Jose Rodriguez? Salary, 2022. Oh, fuck. Look, everybody. He's making 450000 this year. Nobody's ever even heard of him. That's how that shit is. It's crazy. Triple A? I swear to God, if you do it, go Are to a triple A. Go to a triple A, let alone the Cincinnati Reds. You go to the Reds game. I, I'm a lifelong Reds fan. You go to the Reds game. Obviously, those guys are all making tons of money. But even triple A or even double A sometimes, they make fucking good money. You know that we get in Cincinnati, the Reds, every single first game of the season will always be at home. Okay, yeah, that's always. like the tradition, yeah. Yeah, because we're the, the... Symbolic. The first professional baseball team. Yeah. yeah. I'm a fan. I went to Wrigley Field um, a couple weeks ago, June 28th, for my dad's 60th birthday. My dad got tickets. We went to see the Reds against the Cubs in Wrigley Field for his 60th birthday. We're going back, going to Cincinnati August 14th, I think, is a Sunday. To see another Reds game, so I'm a, I'm a fan of the Reds. I like they're they they've won five in a row right now. One of the worst teams in baseball, but they're currently on a five game winning streak. That's nice. Yeah. Um, okay, but I guess it, it, we have to be specific if we're comparing MMA. You know, you got to as best as possible apples to apples type comparison because soccer, you can go to, you know, Madrid and make some fucking money all over Europe or wherever right. you want. Um, so that's a different animal in itself. But baseball's one thing. Soccer's another. Football's pretty unique to the United States. I've got to interview through my radio uh, years on AMFM radio. Got to interview some former Louisville Cardinal football players who went on to play in the NFL but were never like 
big stars, but they were in the NFL. That shit's not glamorous. It's like, well, I made the practice squad. I made, I did make three hundred thousand one year, but then you're down to fifty the next. You're down to fifty the next, and then you've got a fuckload of medical bills, and then they're like, "Sorry, you're cut." Yeah, you're like, "Why did I just bought this fucking SUV?" So Cincinnati Bengals, they were just in the Super Bowl last year, and they just signed something like eight free agents, undrafted, out of different colleges. One, uh, someone I follow on Facebook that is in real estate, her son played in Florida, but played in a local high school in Cincinnati. He got drafted by him. He just got signed. So they brought some local talent, I think. And I think that's pretty cool if you made it to a Super Bowl. That's I stopped watching football mm-hmm. um, for years. And uh, I did watch the Super Bowl because they were in it, but that's the first football game I've watched in a long time. I think it's like, uh, man, once you really get into MMA, you realize that, man, most sports with balls are for kids. I'm, I'm with that. My, my son's favorite sport's basketball. And that was my favorite sport for some fucking reason. Being an average height white guy growing up, I thought I was going to go to the NBA. In hindsight, I'm like, what? You know, Should have definitely been wrestling. I wish I would. So I didn't wrestle as a kid, but... We had the uh, the only house in the country where we didn't really have money. We didn't have furniture, so we had an empty living room. And so after school, everyone would just come over, and we would just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, now looking back, it was more like submission grappling. Like, you know, I grew up being a fan of pro wrestling. Okay, me too. So, so being a fan of pro wrestling, that's what we thought we were doing. But it was more like uneducated submission grappling. And, uh, I mean, it was wild. I mean, there was a lot of guys in there, a lot of big people. And it was uh It'd be fun. funny funny to have some footage of that type of shit. Like, what stuff naturally. Because kids figure shit out. I teach kids jujitsu. You get new kids in there. They've been to the necessary 10 classes. Now it's time to free train. They still don't know much. But they've been to 11 jujitsu classes. So they'll start trying to fuck each other up, some of them, and they'll just start doing shit that you're like, that's not really a submission, but he did get a tab. <laughs> so it's like kids are just, you know, their brains are real flexible, but also... Their bodies uh, are real flexible, their blo- too. Their bodies are real flexible. They try different shit, and sometimes yeah. shit just works. Yeah, and when you're young and you get injured, you bounce back super fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so you can be a little bit more fearless. That's why, I, like, I, I can't wait to watch the highest level of this sport in 10 years like it's the best sport i think so i do because i like boxing but you know boxing without the kicks and stuff didn't make you know i mean it's great don't get me wrong i'm a fan i'll tune in to watch canelo on occasion or something but mixing it all together makes the most fucking sense like how okay how does that actually work in real life yeah what what i don't like about boxing is that you, you never get to see like i am sure there are some good boxers out there that get into the sport and just don't turn down fights. Like, you know, taking fights, they should maybe they can beat them in five years, but they took the fight too early or whatever the case may be. If you get a couple losses, you're done. Like, I, I think there are some really good boxers out there that probably didn't make it because their careers were mismanaged, and that's sad. The notion... 
You know, it's interesting about Canelo. I mentioned Canelo. He recently lost to this Dimitri Russian guy. Did you even know that? He went up a weight class. He did, though. though. So, so I like that. It, it, to the point of what you're saying, the notion that you got to have an unblemished record is silly. In MMA, it doesn't matter. No. Because it, it's so easy to lose. Like, yep. you can beat firing on all cylinders and just go up against a guy who is just better. Mm-hmm. Like he, Or you can be better than him. You're a better all the way around, and you make a mistake, slip, fall, they get on top. I mean, shit happens. Even GSP lost a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Shit happens. Like, when you can do anything except for eye gouge, headbutt, and bite, like, I mean, you've got some opportunities, more opportunities, I think, than any other martial art. I agree. Um, Tim, I appreciate you coming on the episode today. Before we wrap things up, is there anything you'd like to mention or, you know, promote on the episode today. Just train jiu-jitsu. Who's that a message to? Anybody. Do jiu-jitsu. I'm a fan of jiu-jitsu. That's, I love it, the culture, and just grappling, period. Ideally, you do jiu-jitsu, you'd mix in some striking, but even if you can't, jiu-jitsu is a hell of a lot better than nothing. You can probably train forever. Just about. As long as you're not being a complete, you know, every once in a while there's some people who train jujitsu and they, they're always hurt. And I'm like, well, man, it's because you go too fucking hard. And so you go hard on someone else, they're going to fuck you up. You need to kind of know how to pace yourself. I, I think you can almost always go hard in grappling. It's um, the striking. So, so, like, if you're getting ready for a fight, you know, maybe you're doing 80%, and uh, but you're still going to wrestle at 100 Okay. You know, you're still going to, you can go hard grappling. and You can. You're still going to get your head knocked around a little bit. Your back may hurt a little. Yeah, yeah. But that's the good thing. Like, you can go in, you can go hard grappling, and you're not going to have black eyes tomorrow. You might be sore. You might not recover all the way, but you can still go hard, burn a lot of calories. I, I agree with you 100%. It's, unfortunately... The numbers for females who train jujitsu are not as high as, you know, I hope both my daughters stick with it. My daughter, um, Caitlin, my 14-year-old daughter, she likes jujitsu now more than anything. And I'm just hoping that it's, you know. She stays with it. That she stays with it so much, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it helps. It's a good gym, you know. I know you know what you're doing. Yeah, and I'm not just me. It's kind of like I've got Professor Adam Miller, Professor Scott Smith. I've got that. You know, I'm fortunate that I know what I'm doing to the degree, degree that I know to at least be in a legit place. Kind of yeah. like, you know, with you, you're like, Jeremy Pender knows what he's doing. I'm going to listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah, far more than I know. Yeah. That's a fact. I've got a lot of, I'm fortunate. I've got a lot of people around me like that too. That's one of the coolest parts of the Kelly Patrick show, honestly, for me. Is like I've got to meet so many people and train with so many different people. And not that I'm trying to get into the cage or anything, but just, you know, uh, 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 recognition for, like, appreciating who's legit and shit like that. Yeah, you got a pretty uh, pretty cool job here, man. It's a neat hobby. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a hobby? Really? It's a hobby, yeah. It's a hobby. Yeah. But you do it how many days a week? I do a good <laughs> amount of episodes. I'm at five... Uh, Five That's, like seventy or something. There, there needs. Is there a name for something that you do more than two or three times? I think playing poker. On so Friday. you're you're saying I'm bullshitting when I'm saying hobby with Not the combat sports. I for lack of a because I said word. I'm a, a combat sports hobbyist. 
in a podcast or hobbyist, you're like, neither of those sound like hobbies. Man, I, you train every day. You're going to beat the shit out of some hobbyists. Yeah, some. Yeah. Some. Yeah. You know? I also do yoga. Lately, I've been doing yoga like four or five days a week. I did a hot yoga class this morning. I did one hot yoga class, man. That was hard. I like hot jitsu. Okay. Like Wearing the gi and not opening the windows. And if it's hot in there. It's like that in our gym. Every, that's like, a good thing. Everything that we so do. So you got to fucking walk out of there and like you're just covered. Yeah. Sweat. You're going to burn 5,000 calories and you're going to lose five or 10 pounds no matter what. Hot yoga. Man, that was hot, hot. Like, yeah. I, I do a lot of stretching, breathing, stuff like that. Do you on your own? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I did a hot yoga class. It was like I was impressed like that was hard yeah the the temperature sometimes gets up to like um i think like 108 110 oh, that was like 120 where i went really yeah but then the, the humidity will get up to like uh maybe that's 50 or 55 occasionally we'll turn around the humidities at 58 and so it's like it, sometimes the humidity is what's more important you're like the temperature only got up to 106 Oh, but the humidity was 57. You're like, okay, that's why I like, felt like I blacked out and had to lay down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like, uh, it's pretty intense. And it's, you know, my mom does a lot. I was born into a situation where my mom got me doing hot yoga when I was like 17 years old. So 21 years ago. So I've been doing hot yoga off and on for, you know, uh, over 20 years. So Good benefits to martial arts, right? Yeah, I think for longevity, the more that I do that, the better. So, shout out to Jeremy Pender for Vision MMA in Cincinnati. Absolutely. Um, I, I really enjoy having Jeremy on the podcast. He does those episodes. He'll kind of break down fights and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, Frenchie. Front man. Yeah. Zachariah Kamara. That guy. He is uh excellent <laughs> world beater. You think he would beat uh, Bradley McGar? I don't know anything about Bradley McGar. But I know the dude hasn't fought in three years. I okay. think that maybe he would stand a chance if he fought a couple times. I, man, I'm nobody who is not in active competition is going to go in there and do anything with him unless he gets lucky. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's MMA. Anything can happen. But – uh Frenchie's on a different level, man. That guy is sharp. He is going to come prepared. He is going to show up. There's going to be no butterflies, and it's going to it's going to be bad if that dude's not prepared. It's crazy. He's one thirty five. Um, he seems like a problem. He that, could that, he could probably class. pack on some weight and make it at like one fifty five if okay. he wanted. He'd like, still be a good fighter. Yeah, still, Yeah, he may not be like. You know, at the same level, at 135, <clears throat> yeah, he's a guy's got a pretty super, high ceiling. Really high ceiling. Perry Stargell's look good lately also. Perry looks great. Man, that guy is so fast. So fast. He, uh, he's amazing. Solid. Great dudes. They, they got a uh, very, very, very tight-knit group of coaches up there that know what they're doing. I love it. Um, once again, Tim Schaffner, thank you very much for your time. Um, I also want to thank everyone for tuning into the Kelly Patrick show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.